fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. Look at what it means. This is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Walt. The lowest rates, everything gets better all of a sudden. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. What about hard work? What about it? You work hard? Gods were like 30 to 1 against me. Yeah, I mean, there are very few people that, from my neighborhood, you know, in my environment, that make it out. Uh, I mean, forget about being to be successful, to make it out alive. Top of the top, everybody, we're back. Once again, another episode of Trading Places. The guys are here. The Steve is in the building. Steve is down here. What's up? We got Juan in the building, the B5 cheerleader. Yo. <laughs> what up, man? This guy, man. I'm down for D5. But, hey, what can I say, man? We got tokens being created every day in D5 that are shooting up. So, you know, maybe his cheerleader has some merit to it. Um, all-time highs. We said last week, uh, you know, we were headed to all-time highs. Now we're, Bitcoin is really knocking on that door at 18.8, right? Yeah, man. 31 hours you could have possibly bought Bitcoin in its history and be down. 31 hours. So everybody who, everybody who I talked to, wasn't Bitcoin at 20,000? Yeah, well, if you based it on that, like, you had 31 hours where you could have been down. So shut the fuck up. Yo, I'm seeing people change their mind about Bitcoin now. Like, Nothing right. Investors, was it Ray DeLeo this week? That was like, oh. Oh, Ray DeLeo changed his mind? Yeah. I didn't see that. He wrapped his head around it. He said he might be missing something. I'm like, yeah, you missing out on Yeah, this man, you're missing something. You're old. You're just old. You got to get with the times. Get hip. You got to realize these people, like the Buffets of the world, the Dalios of the world, Salute to them, they clearly has mastered their craft, but there comes a time where you just kind of have to, you know, out with the old and with the new, right? They grew up in a different world. So the idea of a digital asset replacing something like gold, which has been around for, I believe, 5,000 years, right? Versus a currency that's been around for 11 years, going on 12 years. You know, for them, they can't wrap their head around that. But for the young kid that's 17 years old in his basement, who's only transacted with digital currency their entire life, like I talked to a young not, guy, never used cash. Not even, bro. It's 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 it, they're starting to get it. People in their 40s and 50s are starting to get it too. Like not starting, they're getting. It. I, I saw a CIO of BlackRock uh, come out and he basically said on CNBC. Bitcoin is going to replace uh, gold in the digital age. So right now, uh, crypto as a whole is at $550 billion yeah. and gold is at $9 trillion. So we still got 18 times to go. The rally is just minimum. Minimum. And name one, you know, name one business that's gone digital when it wasn't worth more than the analog version. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because, I mean, when you digitize it, then you have more reach, you have more customers, it's more efficient, you build networks. Right. It's just more efficient. So you unlock more value. So we got 18 times to get towards the analog version. And it's I'll just like, all right, but. 
I would love to be a fly on the wall at the White House or, you know, in the Central Bank to understand this guy, you know, to just get a peek of the, uh, the discussions that they're having around digital currencies. Like, I think I've, we've seen the Fed mention digital currency more than ever this year, than before. I could be wrong. Well, they have to. They have to. China China has already uh, started airdropping theirs. Mm. So it's like, it's a competitive thing. And that's yeah. why I bring up, huh? How are they doing? They're just airdropping it to every citizen? Yeah, they're airdropping it to their citizens. Um, they're, they're testing it out. It's in, it's in trials. Um, like they're, they're trying it out and testing it right now. And they're, they're giving it to people to we'll see how it works. And that's why I think this Asia Pacific deal was so big. Um, you know, just real briefly on it, it's one of the biggest trade deals ever. $26 trillion of combined GDP. You got China in there, you got Australia in there, New Zealand's in there, Japan, South Korea. Um, you know, one notable that's not in there is India. They were invited, but they opted out. But, but what this is about is the underlying issue is that the U.S. makes up 25% of global GDP, but yeah. 75% of global trade is done in dollars. So, yeah. you know, they're making this trade agreement to lower tariffs and they're digitizing their currency so that they can more effectively trade with each other without the dollar. So that's why the, the U.S. is like, all right, we, we do have to figure something out. Um, because this is where a lot of our global dominance and the financial, you know, and the economy comes from. One of the one of the ways, one of the areas it comes from. I mean, you would think big deal. Pay attention, but right now we still have our leader leadership uh, that we've elected to office trying to overturn an election. But, you know, worried about the wrong shit. Yeah, and he's he's trying to decouple even more from China before he gets out of office. I saw that. I saw that. Him and Mike Pompeo are plotting. I mean, part of it, I think, is they, they want to make Biden's job as difficult as possible. Right? Yeah. As far as relations are concerned with, foreign, you know, foreign players on the chessboard. But I, something tells me the U.S. is going to be last to this. You say U.S.? Yeah. You know, what yeah. I think... What I think is going to happen, and I think this is what we're starting to realize we have to do, is I think it's possible that something ends up behind these central bank digital currencies. I've mentioned it a couple of times, so I'll make it quick. Um, but I think there's going to be some reserve behind these digital currencies just so countries can validate reserves. Um, so something like Bitcoin backing the central bank currencies. Maybe it's something else, you know, maybe it's some other thing that we built the currencies on top of, but let's use Bitcoin for an example. I think that uh, what's happening is U.S. asset managers, every time we do stimulus to pump up the markets, that's effectively distributing wealth to the asset managers. So one of the things we can do is we can utilize the dollar and stimulate to give money to asset managers and to buy up reserves. And I think that's what's starting to happen is we're starting to use the U.S. dollar to buy up the Bitcoin, even though we don't have the mining capacity or the miners that uh, China has. 18, I think 18 million of the 21 million has already been mined. So even though we don't have the mining power, we do have the dollar and we can buy it out on the open market before it gets away from us. So I think I think that's what's happening on a global scale. These institutions are going to start to use the dollar. Um, to accumulate Bitcoin on behalf of the nation. 
Um, which is which is crazy. Mm. Damn. Damn. Number one uh, import is the U.S. dollar to certain countries. Damn. You have you you also have other countries that are suffering from a currency crisis, like Turkey, Argentina, right? Where there is political stalemate, you know, uh, civil unrest, and more and more people are looking for pathways to operate out of the system that has them under their thumb. Mm. Our, not recently, but maybe a year ago, I read a story about how Argentine and like, you know, uh, um, police and uh, uh, law enforcement were raiding people's houses looking for uh, mining operations. Even if it was like personal, right? It, it wasn't even something on a commercial scale. But if you were mining Bitcoin, like you were a target, they were trying to figure those people out. Because if you have people that are starting to live outside the system and not participate uh, or circulate their preferred currency of choice, mm. it weakens their power. It's, it's crazy you just bought up Argentina. So I remember earlier I was telling you how there was uh, two new stable coins that were built on top of the, the Stellar Network. Well, it was Argentina and Brazil. Mm. It's, and I mean, I'll, I'll talk about this later, but I really do believe like Stellar um, is creating some relationships in terms of blockchain and bringing more countries into the fold. Yeah, man, you you really got me hip on the Stellar. Like, I watched the Coinbase earn, and I let it go because it's already a Bitcoin. But like you said, they're making some major moves. They're making major moves, and I'm up in my position. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm buying Stellar thanks to Tuan. <laughs> yeah. I think that I got asked this question earlier this week, and I, I had my thoughts, and I shared them uh, with that individual. But... How many of you believe we have seen the uh, the effect? We've already seen the effects of COVID nineteen, um, or do you think that we had a fake recovery and that things are going to potentially get worse? Because if you look at the traditional stock market, it doesn't seem like they care as much as it used to. Compared to earlier this year, the market isn't reacting violently to the surge in cases. We we get we got vaccine news. We got two vaccines that have uh, supposedly come out. How I don't know. We didn't have any uh, vaccine for COVID, or uh, I meant uh, what was it, the SARS coronavirus, whatever. We didn't have a, a, a vaccine for this family of disease prior. Um, but somehow we got it developed. How, somehow we got multiple versions developed in eight months, nine months. I don't know. Um, go ahead, Swan, my bad. I was just thinking, like, yo, what's the biggest difference between the market crash that happened this year and the one in 08? And, like, the biggest thing that stands out to me is e-commerce. Like, it's you have more companies that are, have an online presence now than ever before. So, like... Maybe the market is reflecting in that way 
even through these trying times because everything has pushed to online. You don't need a brick and mortar. So if some of these stores close down, they still have online sales. They're still I mean, generating revenue. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, consumer behavior is changing. We're seeing older populations start to adopt e-commerce platforms, which is why I continue to believe that Shopify, they're doing some crazy shit, man. Um, Shopify is making the right moves. They have partnerships in place to you know, further increase their presence and visibility across the board. But now, when you start a new business, what do you, you know, nine times out of 10, people go to Shopify. Nah, yeah, right. even for the mom and pop stores, like they have e-commerce. Yo, I never thought I would see the day where bodegas are selling things online, <laughs> like in New York. And that's just, you know, New York is a small city in America in comparison, and what I mean by small city, in comparison to the rest of America and what everyone else is doing. But I think if they're doing that, guess what? Like the mom and pop shops in, you know, middle America are doing it too. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be innovative, right? And just to touch on this briefly, uh, de Blasio, I, I believe suspended or is doing away with indoor dining in two weeks in New York City. And so this brings me back to this question that I got asked, like, have we really seen the lasting effects of, of COVID on the economy, or is it just getting started? I'm of the belief that it's the latter. Yeah, I mean, it's just getting started. But what does that mean for markets? Not sure. Um, well, I believe this, that announcement that came out about Mnuchin requesting that those funds come back to the Treasury, and that they're going to be ending all of those programs on December 31st as it relates to small business aid, uh, PPP, you know, loans, pandemic. That's all going away. They're not doing an extension. So we'll that see. is a We'll see. In four weeks. We'll see. I mean, everybody's talking until stocks start going down. Stocks start going down. Who knows what happens? I mean, if, it, if the stock market has another down 20% day, they'll be jumping in and save everything. Um, I don't really care what they're saying right now. Well, I mean, the Fed is that, you know, Mnuchin and Congress need to do more because they're not feeling as confident in this recovery. Like the recovery is... There is no recovery. The economic recovery, like the economic recovery isn't really actually happening. This is an asset recovery. Um, the, the people being displaced from their jobs this is this is an issue of over leverage and the leverage of technology. This is not about COVID. COVID is the scapegoat that's accelerated everything. When you think about it, that's fact. Like this is an asset recovery. This isn't a cultural recovery. It's a cultural reset. Because you have people who can never return to those jobs. Some of those yeah. jobs have been It's three and a half million truck drivers that are about to be replaced by self-driving cars. That has nothing to do with COVID. And I mean, you just run down the list of all these manual jobs where people have these, you know, people have been in the same job 15, 20 years. They don't have a whole, you know, bunch of diverse set of skills and they can do their cool. job, but now computers are doing it better and computers are doing it cheaper. and. What do you all do about it? 
You have right. to start. You have to start giving them. I think. I think the only way out is to start printing the money and giving it to people. Um, I honestly think that's the only way out. But it, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. Seems like, seems like with every technological revolution throughout time, there's always some, you know, some push and pull. Like during the Industrial Revolution. You had people still fighting for slavery, even though factories are more, you know, profitable. Um, and I guess mm. like if you probably go before that, um, when you had like, you know, other revolutions that took place due to, you know, changes in technology that people were fighting. And it's happening now. And every time it's more extreme because technology gets better at an exponential rate yeah that's true it's not, it's not linear so that's the thing we have to figure something out from a society of like all right well when this happens to all of these people what do we do what do we do about it and you know we say covid you know the covid economy but covid has really just accelerated a lot of this stuff just because of how over leveraged all these companies were you know, so then they had to take a look at their line and they had to implement and say, OK, well, how do we do how do we work with a global um, distributed workforce instead of central? How do we implement technology to make things more efficient? How do we protect our bottom line because we're over leveraged and we don't have the operating room um, to just go on business as usual? We have to make some changes. Hmm. I know. I for me personally, I've noticed uh, lately more and more businesses not accepting cash anymore. It's yeah. almost like there's a there's a backdoor plan to start to condition us to not use cash. And yeah. as I mentioned at the top of this episode, like I, I'm meeting 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds who tell me they haven't physically dealt with cash in almost a decade. Like, you know, kid, yeah, they got their first few dollars, right? But for them, everything's electronic. And, and I believe that there are certain industries that have started to condition this, you know, us towards the acceptance and broader adoption of virtual currencies, such as gaming. Right? They've already, we saw that in the early stages. Remember when everybody was on Facebook back in, you know, in the late 2000s? They was playing that damn game with Farmville. Motherfuckers was growing virtual lettuce. They were yep. raising virtual cows. We saw that, and that boomed. That, I mean, Farmville was a big reason why Zynga went public. Where is Zynga these days? Is Zynga still publicly traded? I have no idea. Words with friends, right? Like, you, you see what I mean? But even back then, they got people to turn you know, actual fiat into Facebook currency that can be used. So they've been training us. But Bitcoin's crazy. But Bitcoin is fucking crazy. Man, you know what makes me think about, as we talk about this, I'm thinking about like data processing centers and like, man, that might be a, a great place for the future. Cause like, you know, with everybody moving to like these, you know, uh, digital currencies and, it's going to be more ways to find out how consumers are spending, what they're thinking about, maybe even predict what, what may be their next buy, you know, like, and I don't know, to me, that's a little scary in a weird way that someone knows so much about you 
maybe some people that aren't that aware may not even know about themselves. <laughs> like, definitely but, not. Definitely not. <laughs> but, this play is, you called that out, matter of fact. You called that out early this spring, back in April, about how, you know, data warehouses um, were going to become more and more valuable, right? You, For a short you, period of time, because what I can see happening is the technology getting better and data warehouses becoming smaller. Or of them using people's, their own computer power against them to like, you know, warehouse all this data, like as a background program. We're seeing more and more of these crypto mining farms being built, right? That requires electricity. You feel what I'm saying? That also requires these, um, you know, these devices that are produced, uh, you know, to power these mining operations. Which is why I touched on it maybe for a couple of seconds last week, but you know, I was saying it's like, man, listen, there are ways to play crypto without investing directly into the asset. Now I do both. But if you think about these semi semiconductor companies that have to create these graphic cards and these, you know, performance processes, if you see the rise of uh new gaming platforms and things like crypto. It requires those those devices. You know, it might be crazy to see, but it'll be interesting if uh, you know they try to find a way to like socialize the internet. So like, if you can't afford to get like to pay for like an internet company, the government will like kind of like uh, what's the word assist subsidize it. Yeah, subsidize it. Um. I could see that happening under Kamala and Joe Biden White House. And the reason why is like right now, it's like you have all these kids that are out home learning and some kids, you know, in their households, they can't even afford internet. Right. No, I, I can see that happening for sure. Um, Maybe some I think states it happens already out have necessity. It. Yeah. That happens out of necessity, I think, because uh, it's just a, it's a public good. The internet is a public good. And the fact that it's been allowed to be private, um, we're just moving to an, an era where it's like, if you don't have the internet, you're just at a disadvantage. But that's a massive disadvantage. It's, 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 yeah. That also, that also creates some new opportunities for internet service providers. Oh, that's a fact. Government contracting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So like, oh, <laughs> and that's probably be from state to state. Like the state of Georgia will have some, 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 some level of free internet um, state of New York, et cetera, et cetera. But man, whoever get those contracts, it's about to be bread. Right. And just to go back in history, just a tidbit, uh, three years ago, um, when uh, AMP have re- reported their Q1 revenue uh, in early 2018, cryptocurrency mining had boosted their profits. So I, I took... Uh, some long dated calls on AMD for 2024. AMD? Yeah. And, and for those, that's the ticker, but the company's advanced micro devices for anybody out there that doesn't like understand it. But like blockchain. It's a 5G is, chip maker, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are the phones we're seeing? 5G. 5G. But I remember from that time, because it was like the blockchain, there were. Remember when people just start throwing blockchain 
on their name, Tuan, and their stock will go up. Yeah. They'll say, we're building something on the blockchain and it would go crazy that day or that week. Um, but I like to park you know, my attention and my money into companies that have built toll roads. And I think companies like AMD have built the toll road. Well, if you want your blockchain to be fueled, you got to use our, our processing devices, our graphic chips. You know, be you know, be pretty cool, interesting. Like, uh, you know how like now, like you have like streaming services that are like, yo, like, um, we'll either give you a cheaper like version of the cheap free streaming service or a free one. Is you allow us to run ads? What if they did that with mining? Like, like if if you allow us to mine in the background while you're using our streaming service, like we'll give you a cheaper or free version of whatever service we're giving you. In a way, these uh, massive telecommunications companies can start to build up a reserve full of crypto by just offering it. <laughs> We're going to use computing power from your device that you pay us for so you can have all of your tools and we'll cut a portion of your bill. You allow us to tap into that. Let us finesse that and start to build up our reserves using crypto. Yeah. Yeah, man. All of this stuff is interesting. And I just, I mean, I can't help it, bro. Like, I'm just looking at prices. Crypto's booming. Crypto's yeah. booming. And the average Joe still isn't talking about it. Like, it's still quiet. It's like, institutional. That's... It's institutional FOMO. It's institutional FOMO. Uh, engagement on the IG stories is going up. People hitting my phone. What, what coin should I be in? You know what I mean? Once it cracked that 16, 17K, now people are interested. They're like, oh, what's going on? Bitcoin? Oh, I I, 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 I tuned out of the Trading Places podcast. Let me tune back in. Yeah, right. I'm talking I'm talking to you right now. Exactly. You want to back when shit starts bubbling. We, we, we was talking about DeFi. We was talking about, we was talking about crypto from the jump, right? If you we go started back, this. Uh, yeah, fact check the episode. You don't, look, listen. We're not here to pat ourselves in the back. You can go look at the show notes. Nah, but not even pat. Oh, go ahead, bro. Nah, we gonna say that. Nah, I was gonna say not even patting ourselves on the back. I want to get to this crypto stuff because now everybody's setting us up, like you know. So I want to make sure let's let's talk about crypto, um, because people want to know how do I make money? What should I be looking at? Um, you know, is Bitcoin topped out? Is it going to do the same thing now that it's about twenty k? Let's talk. Let, let's talk. About, let's spend some time on that because right now. We got eight, nine, we got what? It started in 09, so we got 11 years of history. There's 31 hours where you could have bought and been down. So basically everybody's up, yet Bitcoin is still leaving the exchange and off into cold storage wallets. So people aren't selling. People still aren't selling. Um, Restricted supply. Go ahead. No, I was saying, and that's restricted supply. And we see with PayPal, in Square that are entering this space, well, Square has been in this space, um, but with with PayPal and other heavy entrants to the market, they're scooping up this Bitcoin. And we saw Pantera Capital mention earlier this week that there's, this is going to lead to a supply crisis in Bitcoin because it's being cornered by institutional players. There's, it could possibly lead to a shortage. Yeah. 
21 million. You got seven and a half billion people. We went through the math. We went to the math. Like if if one percent, if one percent had all the Bitcoin, they couldn't get more than 0.28 if it was evenly distributed. Yeah, we might hit a, a point where, you know, was it one Satoshi? Because was it a hundred thousand, a hundred million Satoshi to make up one Bitcoin? Oh, I think it's hundred million. Damn! So I mean, you might hit a point where one one Satoshi is one dollar. Crypto is here to stay, whether people like it or not. Like crypto influenced the whole opportunity to buy fractional shares of a company. Prior to crypto, we had never seen that before, right? You didn't have to own a whole Bitcoin. You could, if you only had $100, you could buy $100 worth of Bitcoin. Now, fast forward three years later, four years later, there are platforms like FTX. Um, I'm pretty sure you could do this on Robinhood where now you don't have to buy a whole Tesla stock. We're, we're slowly but surely transitioning into a world where fractional ownership becomes king probably in, even in properties man yep everything, everything. definitely I saw that with Ave you know shout out to Ave Ave is booming right now um for DeFi they're doing that with realty real IT so you're gonna see fractional ownership of real estate assets commercial assets like you could just start and it really benefits you being the owner so you could create instant liquidity for yourself if you own a hard asset that the market deems is valuable. So rather than having to give up the entire thing, you could say, hey, you could buy into it. And as it appreciates over time, you can make money with me. Yeah, it makes, I think one of the issues of this inequality is people historically can't afford assets. So um, this sort of helps to address that issue of making ownership more achievable for people so people can take share in this asset rise, which is seems like it's just going to continue to bubble up. And I think that was the goal of Bitcoin, right? Of crypto was to democratize access to these financial products. Right. So it allows you to participate in a, in a global reset in a wealth transfer that we're seeing happen right before our eyes. So you don't gotta be, you know, there's this perception out there that you have to be ultra wealthy to purchase crypto. That's not true. Now, however, now this, now let me ask y'all this. I'm starting to see that psychology play out where somebody will see Bitcoin's price and they say, well, I can't afford it. So what do they do? Buy they move to the next blue chip, right? Or, or, or yeah, just what they believe to be as cheap as possible. And so they right. buy shit with Ripple. They buy XRP. XRP is up thirty percent today. It's all it's all season. It, all season is coming. Um, this reminds me a lot of what happened in July, where we saw a big we saw a big print, big move up in Bitcoin off the March lows. You know, we we saw a big move of it. You know, cracking ten k and getting above it, and then we saw it rotate in the E, and now we're starting to see that rotation in the E. Um, over the past week, we've gone from like 440 to 540. And I think once we start approaching 600, we yeah. see another big rotation. So these alts are going up right now. But there's going to come a point, I think, when ETH starts to get to 600, Bitcoin stalls out, you know, around 20,000. This is assuming everything's on the up and up. 
but we're going to start to see these ERC-20 tokens go stupid again. Um, like, I remember July, things were like 5, 6, 7x in a week, two weeks. You, you think that cryptocurrencies in general are being accepted simply because it's, like, better for public good? Like, like when you and what I mean by that is like our current monetary system is very antiquated. Like, um, yes, there's ways to trace it, but crypto makes it a lot easier. Yes, there's ways to like you know transfer fiat currency from country to country, but crypto makes it a lot easier. Like, yeah, better it, products typically went out in the market. That's the beauty of free markets, and it's getting better and better over time. Right, and I go back to. We're in a zero interest rate environment, right? <laughs> uh, the Fed has already commented and said the interest rates won't start to inch up again until never, until twenty twenty three. So never, until yeah, never. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, I mean, just look at the chart since oh eight. Just look at the chart. We tried to raise them in this, in uh, Q four of twenty eighteen, and it was a massive failure. They almost collapsed the markets, and then they brought them right back down and have since in fact we brought them all the way back down to zero um they can't raise them they can't raise them without crashing stocks so how do you you know how do you park your assets to appreciate any type of interest in a zero interest rate environment like you buy a fixed supply asset like bitcoin right you know and obviously for everyone out there you've got to make that decision for yourself uh we just here to drop pre-game conversation but I look at someone saying, like, oh, I'm going to save up all this money in my savings account. Like, yo, it's not going to gain a penny. Literally. And One thing I out there to generate returns on your part assets, such as BlockFi. Um, I was just found out through Coinbase that you can park money into Maker through their platform. And yeah, they, they just recently did that. And I, I'm saying all of this great stuff, like stuff about how I'm bullish on Bitcoin, but I do want people to know because there are a lot of people who are probably listening to this who have zero. And um, I would hate for people to just rush into it and then see the price get dropped down 30%, which is likely. Um, we are approaching all-time highs. I do think the momentum will take us past all-time highs. And I'm also expecting some sort of correction. We've printed six, seven straight weekly candles um, that are just straight bullish. At the end of them, we're getting 2,000, 3,000 in a week. Um, I think a pullback is natural. The highest weekly close in Bitcoin's history, even on that 20,000, when we reached 20,000, the monthly candles still only closed at 13,900. So Bitcoin has never closed above 13,900. And as long as we close above 13,900 for the month, that's what I'm eyeing, I still think we're bullish. So we could see uh, we could see a pullback to the 14k, 13k, 15k level. Um, you know, so I don't want people to rush in and then have that have a bad experience and get spooked and never want to touch it again. So that is a possibility. But as long as we stay above 139 uh, and we close this month there, we're at all time highs. We're still at all time highs. So yeah, and I just I want to throw that out there. I remember a couple of months ago, we was just kind of, you know, amongst us, we was like, damn, you know, Bitcoin finally cracked 10K again. 
right? So I said, 10 5. <laughs> and I remember a friend of mine was like, Oh, I'm going to buy Bitcoin. You know, I'm going to wait for it to drop back down to five. And I was what? like, He said, Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait for it to drop. It'll, it'll probably drop back down to five, you know, by October. So I'll wait until then. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, you know what I'm starting to realize when people say, when they have zero exposure to an asset and they say, I wait for it to drop now, it's, it's, it's really pain speaking out, right? They want it to drop back down because they realize they fucked up. <laughs> and they get it during the last drop. We had these healthy corrections, right? We, we see the price actions. So when we talk about these thousand, you know, thousand dollar candles, when we talk about it's on a, on, a, on a chart for that asset, we're seeing the price action, right? It's steadily moving up. And so people get scared during corrective periods and they don't buy when there's a bunch of fear. I remember when Ethereum had dropped down to below 100, I was flying to New York. I got that text from, you know, from Twan. I got excited. I said, what? 80 bucks, right? I said, like, give it reverse down to how? Yo, I want more. As soon as I got off the plane, I bought more. Yeah, yeah, we had six X that eighty, right? We're at five forty, exactly six X. So. Run when everybody is greedy. Yeah, play your part and position yourself when everybody's fearful. Well, we almost at seven X. Eighty seven X would be five sixty. Oh, yeah, we have five forty five, and we'll be at ten X by the end of the year. Yeah, no doubt. With I don't know how 10x. Yeah, my target is 800 for ETH. People, keep, people keep saying 2021, 9K ETH. I'm like, man. No, listen. But I think about like, it. Think about it. it. In the peak, in the peak of the last bull run, ETH got to 14% of Bitcoin. If we have the stock to flow model for Bitcoin, and ETH is the number one way to scale Bitcoin right now. If Bitcoin goes to 200K and ETH becomes 10% of 200K, that's 20K. It got the 14% last bull cycle. It's not crazy. Damn. Not only that, there's so many different ways to make bread in this in this asset class. Like we saw that. I'm reading about it. I'm learning more about it. Um, a listener, matter of fact, told me about it. Uh, Saffron Finance, it launched less than a week ago or two weeks ago. It was hovering around that 30 to $40 range and it's already up 400%. Uh, as of this morning, it's at uh, 700, look, it's over $700. Look, man, again, you want to talk? $728.84. Now, that may be a bubble, right? We saw the same thing happen when, when Yearn had launched, right? But the circulating supply is only $40,000. What's, what's the circulating supply of, uh, of, of Yearn? 30K. 30K, right? And where, where did Yearn go? Yearn had went from... It went up to like 40K. One, yeah, went up to 40K. Correct. Yeah, that, the high for Yearn is 43000 and then they had corrected. It went down to like 17 or 15. And nah, it went all the way down to nine. Oh, my God. Like when the altcoins started bleeding out, like the altcoin. So the alt, the last alt season, and when I say altcoins, I mean coins other than Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah. And mostly the ERC-20 tokens, which are built on the Ethereum network. 
So in the last cycle, it really started around like July, like June, July. Compound launched in June. People were farming it and people FOMO'd in. And then I just launched the whole cycle. It was a bunch of coins, coin after coin after coin. Urine launched in July and it went from $35 all the way up to 43000 And <laughs> it's hard to believe it, but a lot of these coins bled out like 80, 90%. Um, and like trust swap is one of them. I was holding that. That went all the way up. Uh, I, I got in around like 16 cents. It went up to a dollar sixty, and then it bled all the way down to 19 cents. So these coins were like down 80%. And we're starting to see them bounce off the lows. We see a big move in Bitcoin, rotation in the ETH. And then if we can sustain these levels and ETH can continue to climb, you will, we will see another cycle of big money going into these alts again. Look, man, I know. Xavier made fun of me and called me the DeFi cheerleader, right? Earlier in this episode. I'm going to call him out. He's a clown for that one. <laughs> I'm going to tell him why. So, like, if, if, if we are entering a new digital age, right, and cryptocurrency is going to represent, you know, our new way of fiat, right? Like, we're separating ourselves from, like, fiat, the physical dollar, and we're getting on a cryptocurrency. We're going to have new banking instruments, correct? We're going to have new credit instruments, right? We're going to have new market instruments. Correct. And all these things are coming in the form of DeFi. So like some of these Correct. projects in DeFi, like right now, we don't even know what's going to be big and what's going to be, you know, fizzle out. But it's out there now. So we have to explore, you know, these DeFi options, high risk, high reward. And we, have 14, we have 14 billion locked. We're at all time high value locked in, in uh, DeFi. The buzz of DeFi has gone down. The total value lot continues to rise. I remember we was bugging out when, when it hit like 4 billion lots. <laughs> I was like a couple months ago, right? Uh, bro, bro, in June, in June, it was 1 billion. In June, we're at 14 billion. Yeah. We're at 14 billion. Talking about it. So June, it was 1 billion. July, it was 2 billion. August, we got the four and a half. September, we got to uh, eight billion, and then it started getting choppy. We we saw an, uh, the correction across the across. We saw all coins bleed out, and it slowed down for a little bit. But now we're climbing again. Now we're at fourteen bill. Five months, we went from one billion to fourteen. I've always been a fan of DeFi, but Swan trying to get me out the pain. But he's the king of like the most outlandish predictions, right? He would be like, yo, <laughs> yo, son, yo, Stella might go to a hundred in the next bull run. Yo, like, man, look, what? here's the thing with more and more people adopting it and more and more platforms adopting it as well, like, uh, what is it, uh, established platforms such as PayPal, right? Um, we don't know what this can go to, but what we do know is going to be higher than the last one. A lot. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, that history has told us that usually projects that are able to survive and you know thrive through painful bear periods. And when I say bear periods, like I'm not talking about physical bear on a period. I'm talking about you know the markets and the correction is down, right? Um, when we go through those periods, right? And they're able to survive that. Usually, they surpass their previous all-time high. We saw that with Bitcoin. Like, believe it or not, people, there was a time where the all-time highs for Bitcoin 
was like $1,200. Right. And not only that, but each cycle where it goes up, it gets more stable. So, you know, and the reason that it gets more stable is because the last in 2017, the people who were piling into Bitcoin were mom and pop, you know, just everyday people trying to get rich quick. So they had really weak hands. Once the price started going, they sell them. This time it's institutional buyers with long term strategies for Bitcoin because they're worried about the strength of the dollar. That's a much, much different investor. And that will make the price in a lot more stable this time on the way up because they have stronger hands. Yeah. yeah. So the all-time high for ETH, alt season has begun. You know, the alternative currencies, right? We know Bitcoin. We look at that as the equivalent of gold. BlackRock right. said it this week that Bitcoin will eventually end up replacing gold. That's where, you know, their chief investment officer ETH is looked at as the silver, right? Um, Ethereum is at five forty two right now. Right, look, yep. guys, look man. Some of these, I think, some of these uh, finance groups and institutions are kind of like shitting on Bitcoin and these cryptocurrencies because they realize uh-huh. that well, it's that, but they're also. <laughs> During this time, they're having a brain drain. Like some of their top qualified candidates are leaving and going into these blockchain projects because they know this is the future. And they also know that some of these companies aren't even interested in it right now. They're not even looking at it. And yo, it's again, it's a high risk, high reward. If these companies that they're jumping ship to become very successful, they're not going to be hundred thousand is work like how they are now working hard behind the desk of Goldman Sachs, they're going to be millionaires. Yo, Goldman's so full of shit, by the way. They uh they put out that paper in May, and then I just realized they invested in BitGo like at the top of the last bull cycle. That's probably why they salty. They invested in December of like 2017, right before Bitcoin came crashing down. But they invested like 42 million in BitGo, which is a Bitcoin custody provider. So for them to come out and say Bitcoin is not an asset class, like y'all invested in 2017 and the number one Bitcoin custody provider. Fuck you talking about. Probably somebody told them to do it a long time ago. And then they, you know, they pulled the trigger late. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why Square is more valuable than Goldman now. Cause they get it. <laughs> Yo, let the chopper sing. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. If, if, if Square puts ETH on a platform, man, it's happening. Yeah, I mean, PayPal, they have Litecoin. Remember, Litecoin is about to touch 100. They got Litecoin and Bcash. They got Litecoin and Bcash, right? And PayPal, you know, they're saying is leading to the shortage. I mean, I got, from a from a pure stock standpoint, from a company stock, like PayPal is a company that I've started to rebalance some of my portfolio into because as crypto goes up, PayPal benefits. Square benefits. I so I'm now playing on having direct exposure and indirect exposure to an asset class through these different vehicles. And we're seeing it happen in the stock market. I saw a lot of retailers, like, you know, your, your everyday TikTok investors, right? That's taking over the internet, talking about GBTC, which is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. They think, you know, their thought process is, well, let's get all into this because it's, it's $20. Bitcoin is at 18000 
So this is how we gain exposure. So money is shifting into uh, uh, those companies as well, or you know, those trusts. Bro, I'm not even gonna front. Like, I fucking, I, I don't like fucking Litecoin. Yes, I put money into it because I know I could get bread, <laughs> but I don't fucking like it. I don't like that shit, man. I didn't I put like, no money. I don't like it either. I don't like I don't like Litecoin, man. What the yeah. fuck does Litecoin do, bro? Founder dumps on everybody. Do you remember? Do I remember he cashed out at the top of twenty eighteen? Like it hit at it hit three hundred. He's like, oh, I'm out. He sold one hundred percent of his state. <laughs> so I'm like, why would people want to continue fucking with a project where the creator of the company is like, I'm divesting one hundred percent of my state? Like, yeah. The nigga dipset. Nigga got out of there, bro. <laughs> yeah, so so we don't like we don't like Litecoin. We talked about all season briefly. Should we tell the people some of the coins we're excited about? I'm I'm sure people want to know how how what people want. How do I get the games? Right, what this, coins are y'all watching? This is the crypto corner. Crypto corner, nah. <laughs> like crypto corner. people been here like 45 minutes at this point. Like they want to know where do I go to stack bread. Mean, and and yeah. this is all contingent, let's say market state. The thing that can derail all of this is if we have another lockdown. We have another lockdown, all bets are off. I don't know what the hell is gonna happen. Uh, I'm a long-term investor in crypto, but if this cycle continues and Eve gets to 600 and we rotate into this next phase of all season, going into next year, I'm of the what are y'all excited about? I'm, I'm gonna tell you what I'm first excited about. Another stimulus is gonna happen because if we get Thanks. another stimulus, that money is now gonna be focused on crypto. Because if we, you know, there are a lot of people who are anticipating that we'll see additional stimulus in sometime in January. If Bitcoin is hovering around anywhere between its price point today and like 25K, people are gonna hear about this and they're gonna be like, okay, now what do I do with this month? So that's the first thing, but Stellar, um, I've been super, I've been excited about this company since I first found out about it in a private meetup in the Bay, when I was living out in the Bay. But um, Stellar Project, I'm super excited about with the alts. Um, Decred, we talked about Decred um, months ago. It's yeah. actually it's actually across twenty across the twenty. It's twenty three right now. Oh, it's at twenty three, oh, bro. It's following Bitcoin. It's bit it's Bitcoin that's fork resistant. So like mm. when Bitcoin is going crazy, it, it it's pretty. It follows Bitcoin pretty closely. Interesting. Interesting. The same. It's the same code as Bitcoin except it's fork resistant, and uh, you know that, it's not quite. They do a combination of like proof of stake and proof of work. So it's, it's a little bit different. It's like a more resistant version of Bitcoin. Huh. Yeah, I, I remember um, when we had the, the gentleman, Zatoshi, a.k.a. Zach from Coinbase, come on. And he talked, you know, well, he slipped up. <laughs> he talked about that was one of his favorite projects he was looking out for. And at that time, I think the crowd was only like, what, 12? Yeah, it was something like 13, 12, 13, something like that. 14, so almost it was in that range. Because that's what I bought. So you about to double your money. Yeah, I can actually look at my spreadsheet and tell you exactly what it was. <laughs> Let's see, Decred. Yeah, it was it was 1450. Yeah. 
See, also for those out there who don't know, I've never seen somebody make using Excel like watching art emotion like like she. Like, that's that. That's that finance background, man. That's, that's what you use. <laughs> Working on Wall Street, creating a monster out of him, but yo, and he knows all the shortcuts. He does them in like milliseconds. It's like you watching a human quantum computer. Shit is bugged out. <laughs> Yo, like, man, I'm not gonna front. I'm, I'm, I've been learning a lot about Excel recently. Yo, Excel. You know, when you learn how to use that, man, that's when you really learn how to run a business, man. Excel helps you out, bro. Facts. Facts. Hey. Facts. So, so we got Stellar. What you excited about, Twan? I'm, I'm, I'm. I want to tap into what what you're excited about this upcoming run, because I know, I know you, you, you're watching the odds. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Is Spank Bang still around? There was a coin that came out a couple of years ago called Spank Bang. It was gonna revolutionize the coin industry. Nah, it is. It is around. Yeah. It is. What? Nah, seriously. Yeah. I don't. I don't have a. It's called Spank Bank. Yeah, Spank Bank or something like that. <laughs> it was launched by yo. It was launched by a porn star, but I don't. Here's the thing: I don't see them getting uh, much traction, and I'll say why. Like I think like um, OnlyFans and Pantheon, if they decide like to be like, look, like we're just gonna have like you know, like what is it? Like a partnership with BitPay or something like that. So like we'll 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 take multiple cryptocurrencies. I think they'll be fine. So what's the point of having that blockchain? Mm, spank chain. That's what it was. My bad. I was calling it spank bank. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. I always realized my mistake when I googled that. And I said, "Whoa, this 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 was not the project." Okay. Um. So, so it was it's spank chain, but yeah, it was launched uh, um about three years ago. Hmm. And it was created for the purpose of being able to circumvent companies like PayPal who are hmm. holding up the digital thotties bread. But I mean, now you have other other ways or venues to, to get that. So yeah. you don't need you don't need it. But, yeah, it, was, it was a crypto payment service for the adult industry. Yeah, I think I think what would be more effective is if OnlyFans just launched a token. And started airdropping it to their top creators or something like that. I don't yeah. know. Well, they created like their ver- version of Uniswap, where they can take like multiple coins. And you can and you swap can, it, and you, and you can and you can trade access to subscription. Yeah. Ooh. That'd be crazy. Nah, I just wanted. I just they should probably. Yo, actually, it. this is one of my coins that I like. And shout out to you, Rashid, because you put me onto it. Parachute. If they did a partnership right. with Parachute, bruh. You know. right. why, not, why not just create virtual baseball cards with all the OnlyFans girls, right? You could trade them around. Fl- I flip them daily. Yo, you, you mean want- you talking about like tokens, like non-fungible NFT. tokens, NFTs? Exactly. Like create a token out of them. You know what I'm saying? Like imagine if you had a token for the top creator, and you like, yo, if you want access to her? I got a, I got a card. It's got all the stats on the back. I'm not gonna say what these stats are, but. I do that. Bro. I don't that. Look, I'm all about the NFTs. I'm all about this virtual world. Y'all know this by now. 
you know, for the ladies out there who are listening to us, who are top content creators, if you want to create a virtual art store, yeah, look it up. All right, rapid, rapid fire on some of these coins to watch because I know <laughs> people want to know what coin should I be watching. All right, I'm watching Trustwap, I'm watching Ren, I got Matic, XDI, Synthetics, Link, Band, Parsec. Those are some of the main ones. So Band, Link, and Parsec are all some sort of Oracle provider. And what they do is they provide price feeds for the smart contracts. So the smart contracts are executing some sort of business transaction, but in an automated way. And the, the role of the oracles is to basically run the price data to validate whether or not things in that contract are happening. I think that's going to be huge for DeFi. That, that's like a DeFi staple is these price oracles. So really excited about those. Ren bringing Bitcoin to Ethereum and, you know, really any asset cross chain and then the scaling solutions, um, Matic and XDOT. Um, yeah, man. And then TrustSwap, we've talked about TrustSwap so much. It bled out a lot. I didn't like the fact that I couldn't be in the launch pad being a, a U.S. citizen. But, you know, they have a lot going for the project. I'm still invested. I'm just not as heavy on it as I was three months ago. Mm. So anything else to add to the list? Yo, talk about that Stella conference you was able to get invited to. Um, I mean, it was a free and open conference. It was called Meridian. And they had a couple like key speakers. They had the ex-president of the World Bank. Uh, they had the ex-president of, uh, was of Liberia, Sarah Leaf. But um, some of the, the biggest key takeaways that they were talking about is like, you know, changing the forms of remittance in, in countries like Africa and Southeast Asia. And, um, you know, it wasn't, what else I'm trying to think of? And, and, and new forms of banking for the unbank. Um, but between that conference and uh, looking at some of the moves that's been happening on the Stella blockchain, it's made me like realize like, yo, like Stella one has backing um, and, and two, it has really good partnerships, which makes me believe in a Stella project. Like right now, uh, as I stated earlier, the two stable coins, um, Argentina and Brazil being built on top of the Stella blockchain, you have a coin, you have a, a project called Cowie, which is like a remittance in West Africa, a remittance project I in West know Africa. Acorn was on that. Yeah, Acorn is built off the Stella blockchain. Yep. So bro, I'm about to be deep ready with Stella, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Xavier introduced me to Stella some time ago, right? And then he kind of like got out of it. Or he didn't get out of it, but he stopped thinking about it. But I I, I continue to watch it especially after um, they did the IBM partnership. I was like, all right, now, you know, they were at that time, because they, I think the IBM partnership happened in like 2018. Mm. So like, that was like one of the first, like, um, in, in my eyes, one of the first altcoins to get like, you know, a big backing from a, from a company. So I was like, damn, like, yo, what else is going on with Stella? So look, I was like, yo, let me keep my eye on this. 
And then I realized Acorn is built, being built on it. And then I realized that, like, you know, they weren't just attacking, in my eyes, the American market, but the world. They wanted to, like, try to focus on, like, bringing, like, solution to world issues in terms of banking and remittance. Mm. And I, yo, after, like, attending that conference and, you know, talking to people in the small groups and listening to the different speakers, I realized I was like, yo, between their partnerships and their current projects and, the, and their future projects, the things that they're looking at and doing in the future, like, yo, this 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 blockchain has a lot of potential. So we'll see how it does. Is, during this, this bull run, I don't know if it's going to, like, skyrocket. Like, it's going to go, like, to 100 or or $1,000. Who knows? But over time, I think it's definitely going to be a project to watch. Um, and I'm, I'm going to park some, some, some bread into it, like without a doubt, I already have, but even more, cause I believe like, it's going to be one of those projects that people are going to be talking about in the future. Shout out to Twan for that. Uh, uh I believe in Stella too. I'll tell you, and this is not for the investment, but every bull cycle there's like these clownish coins that jump up right and i'm starting to see a trend doggy coin dope i was just about to say that i'm gonna make some bread some quick flips off of doji coin because all the little tiktok kids they they taking their they parents money and they parking it in doji coin did you see what doji coin did yesterday nah, like this I one didn't. I'm- <laughs> I, didn't. I don't i don't i don't participate in that i don't participate i don't invest in anything i don't believe in I yeah. just feel like it's it's six thousand cryptos. Like, why pick one that I don't think is good? Yeah, if I see it being pumped by a TikToker, I'll get in and get out in a couple of hours. But something that I'm keeping in my portfolio long term. No, I'm actually I have a very uh, restricted pool of crypto assets that I actually even fuck with like that. Right? Yeah. Um, I got about twenty five. Oh shit! I'm definitely nowhere near there. <laughs> yeah, I got 25. I'm under like my basket is six maximum. Oh wow! Yeah. Nah, but like I mean, I mean, Bitcoin and ETH is like 77 percent of my portfolio, and then I don't have more than three percent of any all. So I got a bunch of like one percent bets. So Cardano is cardano uniswap swap trust swap and ren are like my biggest ones that are closer to three percent and then i have a bunch of like two percent one and a half percent shots yo i'm in a like lot. venture I'm like, front. <laughs> like venture <laughs> like venture investment yeah yeah i'm in a lot like i told you guys um I, offline i talked to you guys earlier about this coin that i found called yield and it's like you stake the yield token, and in return, um, you get ETH that's being burnt on the network. Um, so I like that. I don't know where it's gonna go. It's a gamble, but let's see. Um, what else am I in? I'm in Loki. I like it. It's a privacy coin. It's also like a a private chat chat uh, app. Also, they're building like their own private internet, which is kind of cool. Uh, damn. I mean, I I really gotta look into this. See, like, um, yeah, man. I stick with the blue chips and a few other experimental, you know, you know 
like projects. I've become, I guess I've become a little bit of an old man uh, when it comes to crypto. When I first jumped in, you know, it was like, yeah, I want hands at everything. Uh, but I'm, I'm very much so like you would see, like I only want to invest in things that I truly believe in and that I believe have an actual real world, you know, um, function. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. no, 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 don't get it twisted. The majority of my portfolio is in three things: Monero, ETH, and Bitcoin. But I, I, I play around in everything else. Uh, don't get me wrong; I do play around. You're, in you're willing else. to try stuff because you know how much upside there is to being early. Like, you can try this stuff, and sometimes you just get free money out of. Yeah, yeah. And plus, uh, I mean, a lot of times I, I'm I'm on Telegram heavy, so I get a I get a lot of those like weird coin airdrops. Yeah. I'm heavy on Telegram. Yeah, I mean, some of them work out, some of them don't. I don't really care. It's, it's right. free. I tell you this, right? You're not gonna have uh 100 in the field. You're just not gonna make every shot, right? You're not gonna hit every ball. Uh, but the ones that you do typically make up for those losses. And you come out looking healthy, you know, um, in the lead. Uh, I want to touch on this APAC trade there. Um, because I already believe that China is ahead of us when it comes to, the, you know, the race for digital currency supremacy. I mean, like, well ahead of us. Uh, but there's some real shit that's happening that, that threatens the U.S. position as the number one global superpower. And Rasheed, you were, you know, in pre-pod, we were discussing this a little bit, but can you touch on just what's happening behind the scenes, you know, as it relates to what's going on in APAC, you know, Asia Pacific? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but I mean, the bottom line is just that, you know, uh, when Trump was in office, he, he basically took a stance of turning inward and, you know, basically doing things within the country, um, you know, basically getting tougher with our relationships. And I think that, um, you know, while China is still saying they don't want to decoupling what they're doing in their trade, uh, trade negotiations with other countries, it seems like they're preparing to move forward without the US. Um, they are ahead of us in terms of developing a digital currency and they just signed one of the biggest uh, trade deals in the, in the history of trade deals. Um, I sound like Trump when I'm saying it. It's the biggest trade deal in the history of trade deals. But no, this is actually true. It's uh, over $26 trillion of combined GDP, 2.2 billion people, which is about a third of the world's population, or a little less than a third, um, and 15 countries involved. And some of the countries involved are, you know, it's like Singapore, Japan, um, China, of course, South Korea, um, Australia, New Zealand, um, Taiwan, I, no, not Taiwan. Uh, India was invited, but they uh, didn't elect to be a part of it. They're still invited to join, but it's basically just lowering tariffs. And the bottom line of why this is important is U.S. has 25% of global domestic product but 75% of trade happens in US dollars. And for a lot of these smaller countries, it, it really creates a big issue because they, haven't, they have a hard time getting the dollars. 
um, to basically fund their trades. So this trade deal, you know, the free trade deal, I think what's happening is they're moving towards, you know, how do we move forward without the U.S. or how do we create other alternatives to trade with one another to where we don't have the same reliance on the U.S. now that they've turned inward. Um, and I mean, that, that's basically the bottom line. I think it, it, it's a lot of what we've talked about is sort of manifesting where China is really, really just making moves economically. Um, across the world. I think even the citizens of China are ahead of us when it comes to digital currency. And like adoption of modern financial products. I look at their, what is it, WeChat, I think? Yeah, WeChat. <laughs> like that shit does everything and you pay everything virtually and you scan through the QR codes. They're really making moves and now we're seeing China have direct foreign investment in Africa which I think is starting to really rub off in Africa where I'm part of a telegram uh, where it's only you know African crypto enthusiasts and they're constantly you know absorbing any and every piece of information content around crypto they need it they need it if you look at what region searches Bitcoin the most is Nigeria not even close. Okay, but uh, is that because of natural interest or Craigslist links? Uh, <laughs> when you said that, I was just like, "Oh shit!" Then I was like, "Wait, hold on!" Like, um, no, I'm not gonna, you know, feed into that one. But uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because, yeah. like, Zimbabwe. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the search rank for Bitcoin in Zimbabwe has to be mad high because Project Zimbabwe just basically made their money worthless. So if you want to make a PB&J sandwich and you want to use uh, their local currency, it's going to be really expensive. I mean, these, these countries dealing with hyperinflation with corrupt governments need Bitcoin the most. And Nigeria fits that criteria and it shows up in Google Trends. Mm-hmm. What's the Google trends for Bitcoin? Like, has anybody looked at it in the past? It's not, so it, it's it's like, yeah, it's it's not even close to what it was in 2017. I want to say it's like 20 times lower. That's why we get, we just getting started. Yeah, we just getting started. The the institutional, I'm, I'm going to check it right now. Listen, these rich white boys are cornering the fucking market. And they tell them, they basically tell them to your face. They're saying we're... There was one guy they were talking to um, in an article that I read. He said, for the past six to eight weeks, you know, he was just like, every institutional fund manager that I talked to said that their clients are demanding Uh that they create some type of, you know, pathway to investing in crypto. So it's doubled. So Google Trends Bitcoin has doubled uh, in the past month. But it's still a fifth of what it was at the peak of the last one. So that ten times I was quoting from uh, a month ago, but it's it's five five times less than what it was at the peak of twenty twenty. I mean, at the peak of twenty seventeen. My bad. I meant to I meant to say seventeen. I'm getting ahead of myself with twenty twenty one. Good. Yo, Tom, look up the Google Trends for Spank Chain. Let's see. Uh, I would love to see like Bitcoin versus Ethereum. Like in Google Trends, like which one is being searched more? I'm actually, you know, like Bitcoin, but 
Yeah, these institutions are making their plays. And before you know it, they may run up Bitcoin at 50,000, 100,000, a quarter million. Yeah, bro. I mean, Ethereum's at the same level. It's about a fifth of what it was in 17. Ethereum is how, how many percentage of points away from its all-time high? Mm-hmm. I said, what's the percentage? It's a, fifth, they, it's a fifth of what it was in 17. See? It's the same as Bitcoin. Mm. Same as Bitcoin, people, people search, searching for Ethereum. Yeah, in, so. in the past, in the past uh, seven days, Ethereum is up fourteen percent, and its all-time high early January twenty eighteen was one thousand four hundred and forty-eight dollars. We're now sixty-two percent down from all-time highs, and the party is just getting started. Just getting started because you're gonna have money. These institutions are now gonna take that money from these Bitcoin grayscale trusts, and they're going to put it into Ethereum grayscale trusts. And if you look at the, the price of Ethereum grayscale trusts, it's actually at $78. Hmm. That's, not, that's nowhere near as high. It appears that as high was around $590 in 2018. Hmm. And I saw a commercial for grayscale trust, by the way. Yeah, they, 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 they have $10 billion yeah. on the management. They, yeah, this is not a game. It's not a drill. How much? They have ten billion under management. If not ten, nine and a half. They're trying to scoop them all up. I wonder who was the next major company that's going to announce that they've parked some of them their bread from treasuries into, you know, Bitcoin. We'll find out earnings season. We will find out. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I I can't wait to see how much PayPal bought. And I think Square may have bought more since their initial $50 million investment. They probably like, fuck it, let's double down. The, the, th- the best part about this is that price is near an all-time highs and Bitcoin is leaving the exchanges. Right. Put it in that digital shoebox. You know, the ledger, anybody that's interested in buying a, a cold wallet will include the link in uh, the show notes, basically what a what a cold storage is, it's, it's essentially you transferring your assets off in you know, these crypto exchanges like your Coinbase's, your Binance's, your Gemini's, and you control that device, you control your money. And even if that device is damaged, you can get another one and reboot that new device with your wallet. So it's not like gold, you lose a gold ball going through the airport or whatever the case may be. Crypto way better at transportation, right, of assets. That's just a fact. All right. I'm about to wrap up here. Yes, sir. We gave the people plenty of stuff for the watch list. We talked about scarcity. What else we got? I I don't have anything else. I I just say stay safe. A correction is probably likely. Um, If you're on zero, don't FOMO in. And if you're on zero, sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah. Um just wanna say, yeah, everybody stay safe out there. Thanksgiving is next week. It doesn't even fucking feel like it. 
Um, this is a weird year, man. Uh, but yeah, stay safe out there, you know, both physically and financially, you know, as it relates to how you approach, you know, your buying, your asset buying. That's totally up to you, right? As as always, we just here to drop free gems, right? We don't make a penny off of this. Uh, but just remember that, you know, investing in stocks can involve great risk. And this podcast is for informational purposes only, and you should not rely upon us for financial advice. Sure, shoot us a comment, you know, shoot us a DM on IG. Feel free to reach out, uh, you know, via email, tradingplacespod at gmail.com if you have questions or that we can answer on air. Uh, but just make sure that you consult with the financial advisors before you purchase or sell any type of stock or purchase any type of crypto. Do your own due diligence, do your own research. You know, let that research define, you know, conclude how you want to invest your money. We're not here to tell you how you invest your money. We just let you know what we send in the market and uh, how we making our plays. And with that, yeah, you got any shout outs, Tom? Yo, shout out to the listeners, man. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, shout out to D5. For real. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, no, definitely. Shout out to D5. And we'll be back next week. Uh, by the time we come back next week, wouldn't be surprised if Bitcoin has eclipsed 20K, but you know what we see. It might go back down to 16K, 15K. Fuck shout it. out to everybody who, because of us, has gotten off zero. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, come on, son. For real. Because we've been talking about crypto for months right months this ain't nothing new we ain't on the we're not getting on the, the bandwagon this ain't nothing new to us we've been talking about it since it was at 4k 5k 6k 7k we're telling y'all what's happening open your eyes mm. see what's going on out there get, get educated you know same amount of time put into watching that versus with gucci that was epic, by the way. I want to watch it again today. You can put in that time doing your research on these crypto assets. So that's all we got to say. The guys, we out and we up out of here. Numbers. Enjoy, enjoy y'all weekend. Enjoy y'all holiday. Enjoy y'all turkeys. Light one up. All right. Because release dates bigger than Mandela's. Try to bring your life, but motherfuckers won't dare. So I travel with the barrel, with the chrome, with the lead.